Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Christmas is one of those times when we all have a lot of words and thoughts in our minds and running through our heads, you know, especially in this area where we live in the GTA, because we have groups of people from all over the world who have joined together. We've been, we've been talking about this, and this is how we built our country, and we're all thrust into this one celebration at this time of a Jewish king. It's been iconicized by the Catholic Church. It's kind of been monetized by Coca-Cola and uh, the USA. Do you know that before 1932, Canada was sometime, uh, Canada, Santa was sometimes characterized as a green skinny elf? Or and he was, or, and he was just, they had all different images. But back in 1932, um, in this was the first time in the USA that, Canta, that Santa, Santa, not Santa or Canta, it's <laughs> Santa was ever this fat, jolly, always dressed in red. And it really demonstrated Coca-Cola's two biggest strengths as a company, which is nationwide product placement and helping people gain weight. That's their, their, two, their two biggest strengths as a company. And so Santa got bigger and fatter and he got all over the place. And this week, we'll attend Christmas concerts, and there'll be little Hindu boys who are singing about their Savior's birth, and there will be kids who moved over from the Middle East about singing about winter wonderlands and questioning their immigration choice as they're shivering in negative 15 temperatures. And it's a funny little world that we live in here. We're diverse and we're equal. These are the things that we've been talking about as Canadians. But we wanted to introduce one more word into our thoughts and into our minds of Christmas as we finish off this series. And the word is this. The word is freedom. And we want to focus on. And I want to read for you uh, a, little, a little thing that I wrote when I was visiting Ottawa this, this uh, past summer. And I was looking out over, over the river there, the Ottawa River, just in behind Parliament Building. And we were going to see a visual presentation. I don't know if you, if you visited Ottawa for the 150 or the Canada 150 celebrations, but they had a laser light show on, on the front of Parliament, and they kind of walked you through the history of Canada and all the different people groups and all the different phases of the, of the development of our country. And one of the quotes they included was from John Diefenbaker, and here's what he said. He goes, I am a Canadian. He's a, he, he was a prime minister, if you're not a political history buff. <laughs> he said, I am a... Canadian. I'm free to speak without fear. I'm free to worship in my own way. I'm free to stand for what I think is right. Free to oppose what I believe wrong. Free to choose those who shall govern my country. And this heritage of freedom I pledge to uphold for myself and all mankind. And as I was reflecting on those words, I wrote this this past summer. I said, Canada is a country that has risen and fallen on the strength of a diverse collection of individuals uniting for the common goal of freedom, equality, and peace for all. Over all our generations, Canadians have welcomed and integrated marginalized people into our country. You go right back to the United Empire loyalists who who were chased out of America but formed the foundations of our country. Black slaves using the Underground Railroad for freedom came and fought to protect Canada, actually, in the War of 1812. Our marginalized LGBTQ communities who were looking for rights and acceptance found them more quickly in Canada. And Syrian refugees fleeing from war-torn homeland have been welcomed 
by the thousands and given homes and shelter and education and job training here in our country. We have thrived based on our ability to open our arms to people groups and gain strength through diversity. Now, recently, certain attitudes have raised flags for me, making me nervous that the values that have made us strong are being traded for something that makes us weaker. We have opened our doors to people groups who for years have treated women as less, restricting their freedoms, and at times even being abusive. Canada is not a place where abuse can be tolerated. We will never be strengthened by treating some as more equal than others. There are faith groups of people that at their heart can become extremist and violent, and as a Christian, I'm confident in what I believe to be true, but would never expect or demand that another free human being be required to believe or behave as I do. Hate has no place in our country. Love and respect is what has characterized Canada. Canada was a world leader in rights and acceptance for those of all different faiths, orientations, beliefs. The strength of our country has been to allow all Canadians to be who they are as long as that lives in harmony with those around them. As a Christian, if I act with love and grace towards everyone, then I am free to disagree with others on certain issues without having my rights restricted. Mr. Diefenbaker fought to allow for me to discover and live by the truth that I believe in so long as it does not infringe on the rights of another's to do so. And the moment a thought comes to mind that another human being is inherently wrong and that we should do something to restrict or change that person, we need to tread very carefully. I can believe differently than you and not require that you change anything about yourself so we can continue to coexist as brothers and sisters building a strong and diverse country. If I believe differently than you, and require that you change, I'm no longer representing the Canada that I know that has been formed. Let's fight for a strong, diverse Canada, protect values so that generations will come and experience the same Canada that I've known for 40 years. In love wins and respect wins, then Canada wins. And I wrote those thoughts as I was looking at our parliament and listening to the words of our, of our former prime minister and they've paralleled the thoughts that we've been going through in our, in our Christmas story, that we see the themes of our country that we've talked about respect and we, we've talked about equality and we've talked now about, or we've talked about diversity, equality, and now we want to talk about freedom as we celebrate the Christmas season as Canadians. So we have a few thoughts to share that we're going to pull out of, pull out of the scripture. Is that freedom, if, so if you're taking notes, you can pull out a pen or you can do it on your uh, devices, is that freedom comes in unexpected ways. Freedom rarely comes like you or I would imagine. We have to look deep within a system to discover the critical elements of freedom that make it so. The beauty of the freedom we experience as a country is that we have allowed and embraced a person's right to express themselves so long as that right doesn't infringe upon somebody else. We've said we're not going to force change. We're not going to force belief on anybody. Many of us, we think, a perfect society would be a society where everybody thinks exactly like I do. And trust me when I say this, your utopia may be somebody else's nightmare. <laughs> if, if, if you think, man, if everybody would just believe the same thing that I believe and act the same way that I act, the country would be wonderful. And that's just not the case. That, that's not freedom at all because not everybody is the same. And a society that forces anything is actually the opposite of free. And as a nation, we're teetering on some very difficult decisions on what it means to be free. We have become, as a nation, more religious than ever. And we're trying to figure out, can multi-religions coexist together when the goal of many of those religions is to influence the world for their God? 
But freedom that comes forcefully is not freedom. Freedom comes in a very much more unexpected way. For the Jews, someone was to be king, to be lord over them, was not, not to be born. They would be, they would be typically crowned. They would be educated. They'd be risen up as a leader. But think about how Jesus came. He was born as an infant. There was no ceremony. He was from humble beginnings. He was typical. He was common. He was not royalty. And it was upsetting for those in power who had a different idea of how they could bring freedom together. Let's go to Matthew 2, verse 2. And this, the wise men were traveling, the Magi, they stopped by Herod's palace and they said, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. And Herod was one of the greatest, most ruthless leaders of his day. He was trying to bring his own freedom for himself, really. He sold out the Jews to the Romans so that he would gain power and prominence all throughout the Roman Empire. He was tolerated by Rome because he heavily taxed the Jews and he supported whatever Roman endeavor they wanted. And, they, and so he, he rallied his forces and his groups of people not to fight for Jewish freedom, not to fight for Jewish things, but really to fight for Roman endeavors. And in fact, whenever he found that anyone would be threatening his uh, dominance, he began to take action. We were, when we were there this past summer, we went to one of his palaces on the Mediterranean where he had invited his brother to come and stay and then drowned his brother because he was worried that he was going after his throne. We went to this cliff where there was a cave on the side of the cliff and there were some Jewish rebels who were fighting against some Roman oppression and he chased them to this cave and they thought they would be safe there. So he lowered down a box of his warriors and shot in flaming arrows off the cave so that his people, his Jewish people, would have to run out of the cave, either shot or on fire, to their death. And so the ones that, ones that were tolerating staying in there being shot at, they brought a giant hook and began to hook them off to their death. This is Herod's idea of freedom, saying, we're going to do what I say, and I'm going to enact freedom upon you. <laughs> freedom that's forced isn't true freedom at all. And really, the biggest threat to Herod's reign, he had no idea that it would come as a baby, and even, even his reaction to learning about Jesus is the opposite of what freedom looks like. If you know, the, you know the Christmas story, this is the dark side of the Christmas story, is that after Herod finds out that there's someone who was born king of the Jews, he says, uh, well, we're going to kill every child under the age of two. We know that from, from that, we know that the wise men probably had been following the star for somewhere around 15 to 18 months. So when they show up to Herod's palace, he said, well, we've got to knock off every Jewish male baby that has been born in the last two years, hoping that he could continue to keep his hands on freedom by being forceful, by being violent, by being angry. What would it look like for you to be free this Christmas? How, how, would, how would you describe freedom for your own personal life? Is it, is it possible that at times we characterize freedom some way outside of knowing Jesus? We frustrate ourselves because we work so hard to be free and we, we, we want to work so hard so we gain enough money so that we don't have to work anymore. We're free, we, we're retired. Or, or, or we say, you know, if I could just block out all the people that don't believe or that, that, don't, that, that cause trouble in my life or that, that live differently than believe differently than me, that act differently than me, we think that's what freedom would look like. And is it possible that we frustrate ourselves by working so hard to gain freedom that we can create that we forget that it was given to us in the form of an infant? Galatians 5 and 1 says, it was for freedom that Christ 
has set us free. Seems like a redundant statement. <laughs> Christ came, the only per- he came to set us free so that we could receive freedom. And then that verse goes on and says, stand firm then, don't let yourselves be yearned, but be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Meaning, don't take on the ways that they had been trying to live, bringing freedom for themselves. Don't go back into a system that says, I have to live righteously. I have to make sure that there's no impurity that comes into our town and into our, our worship services. That, that had been the Jewish system for 4,000 years. They had been trying to remain ceremonially pure so that they could please God. And Paul's writing here says, you don't need to burden yourselves with that. If you accept Jesus, you believe that, you give your whole life to him, you're free. Don't worry about the things you do. Worry what he does for you. You can't employ yourself to freedom. You can't live righteously your way to freedom. You can't meditate to a new state of freedom. You can't marry into freedom. And there's all kinds of marriage jokes that I could go into at that point. <laughs> I'm just going to politely step away from, the, from those jokes. I could go into something like I have been... I've never been so happy and free since the day I was married, and my wife reminds me of that all the time. I have to say it over and over that I'm happy and free, but I'll leave those jokes all alone. (laughs) Many of us dream about freedom that we create, that we control, and that is not a picture of freedom. Jesus came and demonstrated the only freedom that we can ever receive is a gift that is given, and you don't need to earn it. You don't need to believe any way. You don't need to act any way. You just receive it. And then you start to understand what freedom is. What would freedom look like for you this Christmas? Because freedom is coming to you in an unexpected way. Okay, our second thought is this, is that freedom only, not only comes in unexpected ways, but it actually comes with a cost. Although the price is free to us, the freedom that we receive It cost God an unbelievable cost. Jesus left heaven, perfect harmony with the Trinity that had been experienced by the Father, Son, and the Spirit for all of eternity. And then he comes to earth for only one express purpose. If you go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 7, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. It says that that Jesus was born and Mary wrapped him in swaddling cloths and placed him in a manger. And And as we talked about, those cloths that she wrapped him in were typically used for burial cloths. That even the day that Jesus was born, he was marked for his death. The only reason he came was to die because our Father wanted you and I and everyone in this world to experience freedom so badly that he would pay the ultimate price, giving up his son, giving himself up, really, if we understand the true picture of the Trinity. God came to earth himself to die. Those of you who have immigrated to this country, you might get this at a deeper level than than I would. Think about the cost of moving, leaving everything and everyone that you have ever experienced in your life You said it's worth it because there's something in this country, Canada, that's worth it for myself and really worth it for my kids and my grandchildren. I'm going to give up the ultimate price that I think I could pay on earth so that my kids and everyone else would experience something different. And the freedom that we experience here in Canada is one thing. But the thought and the feeling of of God coming to earth so that you and I, his kids, could be free is a whole other thing. He left his home came and died so that we didn't have to worry about the life that we live. All we had to focus on was our relationship with him. His whole time on earth was focused on one very specific mission. He was to die. He was to 
teach. Yeah, he was to bring people together, but he was actually going to send the disciples out to build the church and to spread the gospel out all over the world. He had a very focused, small period of time in the 33 or so years that he lived. He only spent three of them teaching. He focused most of it on a group of less than 100 people. He said that my work, his work wasn't actually to go and teach the world. His work was to die. And that's why we see in John 19 and 30, this is Jesus on the cross. After he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. The only purpose that he came for was death. And one of the things that must break God's heart is how few of us wake up every morning actually feeling like we're free. What do you think about that? When you woke up this morning, when you are ready to go to work tomorrow morning, do you wake up feeling like, man, I am just so blessed and free. I have the best life. (laughs) We laugh, right? Because we wake up and we go, I have to go to work. I am a slave to my job. We go, man, I have kids. You you are a slave to school. Teachers are slave drivers, right? Absolutely, yeah. the the, The kids know that. We, have, we say, you know, I have, I have responsibility at home. I have things that I'm supposed to uphold. I have too much pressure. I can't keep doing this life. So very few of us wake up going, I'm so free. We have bills. We have jobs. We have relationships that tear at us. We feel less than fulfilled. And if Jesus only came for one express purpose, to die so that you and I would be set free, the question is, did he fail? Or have we failed to realize something? Did, did he not complete his mission when he was on the cross and said, I'm dying for freedom and it's finished? He said, I, I did it, it's done. Or have we created a life and a religion and a system that misses the amazing message that was won for us when he was born, came and lived, and then died? I think it's probably this one, that we forget we were born for freedom. It's gonna come differently than we would ever think it would be. It comes at a great cost. So we can't miss it. So our takeaway thought this morning is that true freedom, it requires personal surrender. You and I, we have to choose to personally receive Christ's freedom, and we have to do it every day. This is not a one-time decision. Yeah, I believed in Jesus, and now I go and live my life, and I I try and make my life function well as an employee, as a a family member, as a church member. I'm going to make the life the best that I can, and I made the decision, and now I'm moving on. Mm -mm. The freedom that Jesus won for us, we have to remind ourselves, we have to relive it and re-experience it every day. And some of us fight so hard to achieve a freedom that was given to us as a gift. That's actually the magic of Christmas. We talk about the magic of Christmas. It's it's Santa and it's flying reindeer and it's cheap drinks at Starbucks at 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. This magic. It's still not cheap. It's still like three bucks or something, right? Yeah. Magic of Christmas is Acts 16 and 30. This is where (laughs) Peter went, and he's talking to a group of people that never knew who Jesus was. Jesus never went and spoke to them. They're outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel. And here's what they said. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your entire household. That's the magic of Christmas. And that's why I can confidently write an article that goes, you know what, I believe that there are people from all over the world that believe something totally different and have never known the name of Jesus. 
and I want them here in our country. I want to celebrate a diverse, equal country because Jesus died for each one of us. And I want people to understand that freedom, not only as a country, but spiritually. I want people who live a lifestyle that is totally not God-honoring, worshiping in our church together. Why? Because Jesus died not for those who already have figured out, hey, maybe I can, there's some value in what the Bible teaches. Jesus died for a group of people whose lives were so far away and said, go into all the world. And all you, all you have to do is believe. You and your whole household will be saved. That's the freedom that he's given to us. And you know what? We're still going to wake up tomorrow morning and we're still going to have to work because we were created and designed for work. We weren't created for laziness or constant play. That's, that's self-indulgence. And if we see, no, we were created to work. And we'll still need to figure out how to forgive and how to work through relationships and heal brokenness because we were created to live together and be in relationship with one another. We weren't created to live separate lives, not in, interacting with anyone. But the freedom we get is that we, we realize who we were designed to be was we were designed to be a child of God. That's the only thing that we were designed to be. We were designed to be God's kids in his family, peaceful and free, knowing who our Father is. I want to paint for you an image in your mind, a new image in your minds. This is how I want us to picture God over, the, over this next week as we're celebrating Christmas, whatever we do. I remember as, as, as a child going on road trips. Anybody go on family road trips together? You're going on a child, yeah, as kids. We had a bright green station wagon. That was, that was our family car. It was the best. And the kids would fight for the seat. You know how there was like the seat and then there was one that faced the back in the station wagons? Yeah, we would, no seat belts and you kind of bounce around and whack your head off. Those were the good old days sitting back there with the dog. We, <laughs> we would fight for that seat, but I was the middle child and I was the peacekeeper, so I rarely got that seat. And we'd be, we'd be driving back from somewhere and my mom would be in the front seat. She'd be asleep. My dad would be driving. The dog would often be in the trunk and then my brother and sister on either side of me and they would all fall asleep. And my dad was at the wheel and he was navi- He hated highways. My dad was one of those guys, he just, no, I don't want to go on the highway. It's busy, there's traffic. And Anybody have a... a family member like that that hates highways yeah (laughs) i want to drive on a highway and my dad would say this to me and i would say dad do you know where you're going i would be wide awake because i did not believe that he know how to get home and he would go dad do you know where we're going and he'd be like i'm navigating by the stars rick (laughs) that doesn't even make sense like like i knew i even as a kid that that doesn't make sense highways get you home roads get you home we don't live under a certain star the 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 things move like we we live on our street and like i should have been fast asleep we would have been out somewhere all day i should have been exhausted but my dad would describe it there was these two beady eyes staring at him going how are we getting home and it was terrifying to me but the amazing thing is, is that even though we weren't taking the way that I figured we should go, and, and I knew we weren't going the right way because it took a longer time every time. And even though I knew there was places that we had to get, sometimes these road trips, they would be to like, we had baseball tournaments or hockey tournaments or camping trips. And I'm like, we're never going to get there. We're never going to get home. I'm never going to get to my bed. There's a right way to do this, dad. And he, would, <laughs> and he would just say, just trust me. We'll get home. I'm driving. And you know, every time we got to where we needed to be, every time I made it to my house, sometimes 
There was a bump along the way. Sometimes we didn't go the way we wanted it to go, but we got home every time. And I, I got to a point over the years that I was trusting that my dad, even though he was taking away, I wouldn't have taken. It didn't look like I wouldn't have chosen a green station wagon. I wouldn't have chosen to have my brother. I, I wouldn't have designed it that way if I was in control. But the amazing thing is, is that I wasn't in control. And when I finally figured out that dad had this under control, I fell asleep in the car and I just said, you know, I'm designed to be the kid. I'm not designed to be the dad at that time in my life. So I slept. You know, we, we're adults now. Some of you in this room, you're, you're getting to be teenagers. You're getting to have more and more control. We so irregularly get a chance to close our eyes and just let the world happen. We have stuff we have to do. Listen, you and I, we have real pressures. We have decisions that we have to make. We have little people that we are responsible for. We, we have stressors. We have bills. And, and, and. We have all these things. And we're always up in that front seat making the decisions, right? It doesn't always feel that way. You're always driving somewhere. The message of Christmas is that God invites you into the back seat and says, just, just trust me. I'll get you where you need to be. <laughs> This is the amazing freedom that we experience when we surrender control and allow God to navigate the course. He's, he's, he set the stars out in the sky. He's navigating us by the stars. And whether you have never made a, a decision ever to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to, to do that today. Just, it doesn't matter what your life is like. It doesn't matter what you've believed up until this point right now. He says, I came so that you could be free. And all you have to do is believe in me. We'll figure out the rest later. Don't, that's not the important stuff. The important stuff is that you believe that I'm God's son, that I'm God. I came because I wanted to have a relationship with you. Just, just trust me. He's asking you, will you take that risk and step of faith today? For those of you who walked in here and you already believe that, would you just take a step from the front seat and go to the back seat and stop worrying about all the details and stop worrying about how come it's not the way you designed it and just trust that God's in control and try and figure out or try and experience the freedom that he came for. He wanted you to be free. He wanted you to have the ability to wake up tomorrow without worry, knowing that he's driving. Acts 2 and 38 and 39 says this. Peter replied, this is Peter the day the Holy Spirit came and fell on them all and they, they started speaking in other tongues and there was this big spiritual experience. He said to everybody there, and this is a group of people from all over, all over the world. They had come and they, and they had gathered and he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. This promise is for your children. This promise is for all who are fall off, far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. And this Christmas, this promise is for you and I. And it is the only thing that is worth fighting for is the freedom that he's given to us through Jesus. I want to pray for us. And then we're going to respond. We're just going to sing the first Noel again that speaks about that freedom. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for an ability just to get together and celebrate Christmas in a church, as a family. Thank you for our kids that sang for us this morning. We thank you for the innocence that is depicted in them. God, help us to 
make that step of faith, remind ourselves to be kids and trust in you. And Jesus, for those who are making that decision, maybe for a first time, Father, give them confidence that you're real. Jesus, give them confidence that you know, this is not a story, that this is a relationship that you want to you wanna have with them. God, we're not going to have all the answers today, and you never called us to figure it all out. You called us to trust you. So thanks, Jesus. We just ask that our belief, our submission would honor you today. We ask this in your name. Amen.